I'm going to weave some stories from the ministry uh, into my sermon because the, the topic we're going to talk about today is something that is a challenge for you and a challenge for me. I was just uh, thinking, and it relates to the song that we just heard too, I was just thinking about uh, the idea, what, what would be something that we could challenge ourselves to do every single day that would make a huge impact, a huge impact in the world and a huge impact for the kingdom of God? So if you would uh, turn with me, I don't have any PowerPoints or any little bells and whistles. So you just have to look at the Bible and look at me the old style way. Uh, so look at Psalm 145. There's a challenge here uh, that I'm going, I would like, and I would like for us to look at uh, something that can not only, not, not only change how we impact others, but can change how we see our own lives and how we live our day to day lives. Psalm 145. And I'm using the Bible that's from your pew. So. Um, I'm just going to read it through, and as I read it through, uh, I would like to ask you to look at um, this as if you're in a group of people sharing this with one another, because that's what the Psalms are written for. They're not just like someone writing something out, and then they have a private little memoir or journal, and then after that, they share it with a couple of people. They, these were songs that they sung together, uh, words that they shared together in, when they were worshiping God in the Old Testament time and even into the time of Jesus. So, this, Psalm 145, I exalt you, my God, the King, and praise your name forever and ever. I will praise you every day. I will honor your name forever and ever. Yahweh is great and is highly praised. His greatness is unsearchable. One generation will declare your works to the next and will proclaim your mighty acts. I will speak of your splendor and glorious majesty and of your wonderful works. They will proclaim the power of your awe-inspiring acts, and I will declare your greatness. They will give a testimony of your great goodness and will joyfully sing of your righteousness. The Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and great in faithful love. The Lord is good to everyone. His compassion rests on all he has made. All you have made will thank you, Lord. The godly will praise you. They will speak of the glory of your kingdom and will declare your might informing all people of your mighty acts and of the glorious splendor of your kingdom. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. Your rule is for all generations. The Lord is faithful in all of his words and gracious in all of his actions. The Lord helps all who fall. He raises up all who are oppressed. All eyes look to you. You give them their food at the proper time. You open your hand and satisfy the desire of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in all his ways and gracious in all his acts. The Lord is near to all who call out to him and to all who call to him with integrity. He fulfills the desires of those who fear him. He hears their cry for help and saves them. The Lord guards all those who love him, but he destroys all the wicked. My mouth will declare Yahweh's praise. Let every living thing praise his holy name forever and ever. Now, when I look at the Psalms, a lot of times I look at the content of the praises. What are they praising God for? And we, I want to look at that and, and kind of uh, tell you some, some stories and events that bring those to life for today. But what I want us to look at first is the cool way that this describes the life, as he's going through the Psalm, describes the life of a believer. Okay, so when you first look at this, it starts with I. So it's just one person talking. I exalt you and praise your name and honor you forever and ever. Um, and the, the thought that this that the writer has, which is David, the thought is that God's greatness is unsearchable. You know, one my my oldest daughter April, she's a she's studying particle and quantum physics, and I was just seeing this. Um, 
uh, article the other day. For some reason, maybe it's, you know, it's, it's eerie how much Facebook knows about you. Somehow it knows that I like physics, and I'm not sure how it knows that because I have a daughter who's studying physics, but somehow every ad, every other ad is some article about physics, which is great. Could be worse. So they, I just saw that they have an MRI now that can, can take a magnetic picture of one atom. Isn't that amazing? It's so tiny. And I have this book that's really cool that shows that if you take the largest thing in the universe, the largest galaxy that's known, and you scale it from my size to that galaxy, that's the same scale that I am from an electron that's in an atom. Hard to, hard to picture, isn't it? A human being is right in the center of the size of all the things that God has made. Now, when you look at something like a, a, par, a particle, a little atom, a magnetic thing, you, we would think, regular people like us would think, wow, that's tiny. But a particle physicist thinks that's huge because inside of that atom are much smaller things that that's what they're trying to discover right now. What it, it, You have the electron, you have the proton, and the proton made up of three different quarks, and they're not sure that the quark is the smallest thing that exists. So when you think about that, it kind of helps me think this is how God's greatness is unsearchable. We keep looking and seeing more of what he made, big and small, whether it's science or we're looking at human beings and the way that God created us and the amazing way that God has made us to be and the diversity we are. You know, we're almost 8 billion people in the world, and you will not find another one like you anywhere. Isn't that amazing? We have the same DNA but the expression of our DNA is unique and no one is like us out of 8 billion people. That's amazing. And God knows each one, created and designed each one of us, especially, especially for what he's called us to do. And that's amazing. So, so the, David, as he's thinking about God, I don't know what he's picturing, but these are the things that I picture when I think about how God's greatness is unsearchable. And that's where it starts for us in our day to day walk with God is we have to see his glory. We have to see his glory in order to move on to what's next in this psalm. So the question for you is, where do you see God's glory in your day-to-day life? I'll tell you a story that helps me see God's glory and someone that I work with. I'm not going to use real names today, but there's a gentleman that I work with in Indonesia years ago. Uh, he was Some years ago, he was a Muslim, a very devout Muslim. Uh, he and his wife had an autistic child, and then his wife died. And he was totally lost. My friend was totally lost. How can he take care of this autistic kid? Uh, and, and this idea in their, their view that, you know, Allah does good things to people that Allah is pleased with. And it's like everything went wrong in his life. Allah must not be very pleased with him. And so in the midst of his despair and him, his, him trying to find his way, um, he encountered uh, the ministry of a lady who uh, had reached out some years ago and started reaching out to the least of, of the people in her city in Surabaya, Indonesia. And she started reaching out to the poor people in her community and it spread. And now uh, the ministry that she's leading is uh, spread over the whole nation of Indonesia, which has over 300 million people. And one of the people that were reached was my friend. And he was able to see through the stories that he saw and the people around him that the, the Allah that he knew was not the true God. It was similar. There were some similar characteristics between Allah of the Quran and the Jesus that he was presented to. But the Jesus of the Quran, uh, the prophet, was not the great and mighty person that could heal us, that could heal our hearts from our, our wounds and from our despair. And so he started to catch that vision and he became a follower of Jesus. And now he is an ambassador 
for Jesus, not only in that city, but all over Indonesia and now in other parts of the world in partnership with me and with others. And, and he has a calling. He believes he is supposed to be the father of many nations. And he understands that that means that he's going to have many spiritual children who are going to have grandchildren and great grandchildren and expand the kingdom of God. He has a calling. He has something to praise God for. He sees the glory of God in his life, how God has transformed him. How do you see the glory of God in your life? See, David saw it, how he was looking at it that day. What in, what is it in you today that helps you say with conviction, Yahweh, our God, is great and highly praised. His greatness is unsearchable. Then we go to verse 4, and then we see that that's not all that we're called to do. We are not just called to sit around and glorify and praise God. But I love this next verse. One generation will declare your works to the next. I, we will proclaim your mighty acts. Before you dismiss the children, that row there with the pastor, we had a lot of kids. I'm not sure if they're all part of one family or a lot of families, but that's a lot of kids. My cousin down in Oklahoma has 13 kids. Uh, oldest is 24, youngest is 24 months. So, and Emily and I were just down there um, having fun with them. But, uh, you know, the, the idea of telling the glory of God, the goodness of God from one generation to the next, that is the DNA, or that is the characteristic of a follower of Christ. We don't just ex- explore and see the glory of God for ourselves and just bask in that and enjoy that for ourselves. But what we see, what we experience, what we have heard, we then share to the next generation. Now, that can be literal, so to your own children and to your own grandchildren, but it can also be your spiritual children and your spiritual grandchildren. So let me tell you another story of how this works. So in the in Philippines, um, one of the guys I work with, a very close partner of mine, he's a pastor in a city called San Jose City, and uh, he told me about when he was young. He grew up in a Catholic family, but he was a renegade. Uh, he 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 said he was the most handsome boy in the school, and uh, uh, that was not always good for him. And so he was not living according to righteousness. He was doing all kinds of stuff, but God captured his heart and he started following Jesus. And then he started, had a calling to be a pastor. And so he started to reach out to the people in his city. One of the guys he reached out to um, is another friend of mine uh, who lives in a town, maybe 10 miles down the road. He was the black sheep of his family. He, and when I met him, he still looked like that, even though he was following Jesus for the Philippines, you know, people look kind of conservative. He had long hair. He dressed, he, he dressed uh, really casually, even to formal situations. Um, his wife's family were Catholic and they thought he was a loser and they thought he had nothing going for him. And they scolded their daughter for marrying such a character, but he became a person who met Jesus as well. Stopped taking drugs, start, stopped being a hooligan in his, his, his community. Now he and his wife live in a, that town. They have a print shop that they use to support themselves, and they are making disciples in their community for Jesus. They are working with people like him in this generation. So here we have the, the first guy who came to Christ who then d- discipled the guy with the print shop who's now discipling the next generation. And it's all through natural life. It's not through programs. They don't go to church for discipleship classes. They have those. That's for Christian education to help them know about the Bible. But what, what we're doing is seeing them in their communities, just sharing whatever they've seen of God, whatever they've learned from God, they share with the people around them. And it's catching on. Sometimes it catches on right away. Sometimes it takes months or years for it to catch on. But it's this idea that what I have received, I will pass to the next generation. I'm not going to go into the whole story for you, but when I, whenever I do trainings and I share my story, 
one of the most powerful things is when I start with my great-great-grandfather and I show how God worked in his life and how it passed down from generation to generation down to me. And it's not Christian church-going things that I share. These are farmers. These are regular people. Until my grandfather, nobody was a pastor, and my grandfather was a pastor of a tiny church that no one would have been impressed by. But if you look at the story, the people that were affected, the domino effect, it's spread out all over the place, all over the world, The faith that God started with one farmer from England back in the 1800s. So generation to generation that's mentioned here is very powerful. And that is the biggest prayer that I have for our ministry in Thailand and Southeast Asia. I'm not praying that we have a big ministry with lots of churches and lots of people coming to Christ and doing lots of things, and then it's all there. What, what we're praying for is this idea that from generation to generation, the work will continue. That the people that God is touching today in Thailand and Myanmar and the Philippines and Vietnam, and each one is a miraculous story of God's intervention in their lives, uh, that they will continue that process by sharing God's glory to the next generation. Like it says here, one generation will declare your works to the next and will proclaim your mighty acts. And I remember in my life, the person who had a lot of impact on me 20 years ago was an old man who was in his 80s who met with me every week for almost a year. And what he would do is tell me the stories of how God worked in his life. Every week I'd hear a different story. Every week he'd talk about all the things that he did wrong and all the mistakes that he made and then how God taught him things and how he learned from them and how God worked things out for his glory. And I was just getting ready. We were in Portland, Oregon, just getting ready to go on the field and having this nervous feeling like, are we going to be successful? Are we going to be able to do the things God wants us to do? And here's a man who has done all the things that I was wanting to do in his life, had served the Lord as a pastor, as a district superintendent, as a head of a Bible college, had been overseas, been in the States, and he shared his stories with me. And then he told me, and I see... God working in you every time we meet. That's what he told me. Here I was 30 years old. He was 80-something years old. And that had such a powerful effect in my life. He he took what God had given to him, him and he imparted that to me. So I'm looking at all the people in here with gray hair and white hair. You have more stories to tell. You know, in this in Asia, we honor elderly people. Asia honors elderly people. But in America, I feel like there's a lot of cast aside and dishonor in our society toward people of experience. And we want something new. We always want to go to the new thing. But when it comes to the work of God, we all have, if we're walking with God, we all have a story to tell. And those who have been walking with God for a long time have many stories to tell. And what a powerful thing it could be if you could take your stories of what God has done in your life God has taught you from his word how you have seen him working in this world and you could share that to the next generation so that when you're gone, and all of us are going to be gone at some point, when you're gone, uh, it will continue on in the hearts of those who follow. One generation will declare your works to the next and will proclaim your mighty acts. And then he goes back to himself. And I, and I like this in verses 5 to 6. I will speak of your splendor and glorious majesty and all your wonderful works. They will proclaim the power of your awe-inspiring acts. Do you see that? I and they. I and they. I love that because the, the following Christ is a community thing. We're part of a family. So we come together. Why do we come together here on Sunday morning? 
We don't come together here on Sunday morning just to hear someone talk to us, I hope. We don't come here just to have a chance to sing a song, but I'm hoping that when you guys come here on Sunday or any other time you gather together, that I and they, me and you, we are sharing with one another what God is doing in our lives, what we are seeing God do uh, through his mighty power and through his great love. And when we share these things with one another, we're built up and encouraged. So when we make disciples in Southeast Asia and in Thailand, we work one-on-one or we can work with a family uh, whatever, wherever they're at, uh, my, my goal is to take the person that God brings to me and help them move one step closer to Jesus every time that I'm with them. And if I see them again, then another step. That could be that that's the first step is hearing about Jesus for the first time. Or the next step could be that they are ready to go out and make a disciple themselves. Whatever step they're at, my, my, my job is to help them. My calling is to help them move closer. Um, but when we come together, I love it when we come together. Sometimes it's one-on-one. I'm sitting in a coffee shop with one of my friends, and he or she tells me what's going on in their lives and ministries, and I can celebrate that with them. We rejoice that what's in the Word of God is still happening today. It's not just stories from the past. It's stories from the present. Um, or, and I can share stories of what I'm hearing from other places with them that they didn't have a chance to go with me to Myanmar so they could hear that story. And that encourages the person that's in the Philippines. So that's the privilege that I have traveling around. And here you are in this community, Northside Missionary Church. You also have the chance to come and inspire one another every time you gather with stories of what God is doing. And they don't have to be huge, amazing stories like I was just healed from cancer. They can just be something very small. Like when I was in, you know, I went, went into McDonald's and there was a really rude person and the Lord helped me not to respond with rudeness. Praise the Lord. I gave grace to that person. And in the past, I probably would have gotten really mad at them. And that's a story of God's great power because changing the human heart is the greatest miracle that God does. Anything related to nature, he did that with just a word. It was all created. And he's still working on us after all these years. So God's, God's taking the patient approach with people. So any change in a person's heart, big or small, is miraculous. But I want us to look down starting in verse 8 because some of you might be saying today, what, you may, you may not be in a place in your life where you can see the glory of God. You may not be in a place where you have a story to tell. And so the things that we're, I'm just going to run through a list that we can see in these verses. And I, I hope that you will go home. And you will reflect on these things and ask yourself, okay, where has God put this characteristic or this attribute of himself in me or shown this to me? So verse 8, the Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and great and faithful love. So this is the truth of who God is that's revealed to us through his work. But what do we see? He's gracious. What is grace? He gives us what we don't deserve. So in Thailand and in Myanmar and Cambodia and Laos, the Buddhist countries, everybody gets what they deserve according to the law of karma. So if you have good things happen to you, you deserve it because of your good works. But if you have bad things happen to you, you deserve that because you've created a ripple effect in your past life or present life that ended up with that bad misfortune happening to you. And there is no way to get out. There is no grace. It's the whatever ripples you have started will come and kick you in the rear end at some point. That's how it works. So the grace of God is that when I have done things that deserve no goodness, when my life is unworthy of anything good, God comes and pours out his goodness upon me in big and small ways. And this is something that we learn, not through just seeing it here, but we learn when we experience his goodness to us. 
So the question is, when God is gracious to us, when he is compassionate to us, when he has been slow to anger with us, when we have sinned, do we tell that story to the next generation? Do we tell those stories to others or do we just keep them to ourselves? So I want to encourage you, if you've experienced the compassion of God in your life, the grace of God in your life, that's some stories that you can tell. If you've experienced the forgiveness of God in your life after you have rebelled against him, then that's a story that you can tell. That's the most powerful way to start evangelism, by the way. When you want to share the gospel, start with what God has done in your life and then tie it back to the scripture. Okay, then we see verse 9. The Lord is good to everyone. His compassion rests on all he has made. So this is not just us who follow Jesus. God is good to every person. So when you see a person in society that you look maybe is different from you, maybe the way they live their life and the choices they have made, and you say, that's not, I don't like that. I don't agree with that. And you, you might even say they're living in sin. But this verse says that God is still good to that person. And he's good to them. The rain is for their benefit. The sunshine is for their benefit. He has prepared them with skills that will give them a job. You look at the world. There's job. Everybody's needed to fill all the jobs. They're there. God has given people gifts and wonderful things, even when they don't seek after him. His goodness is universal. His compassion is universal. And that can be reflected in us. We can go and tell people that are not like us, that we feel a little uncomfortable around. Our message for them is God is good to you. And help them see all the good things that God has done for them. And that's a way that we can share his glory. Then it says in verse 10, it's very interesting. All you have made will thank you, Lord. The godly will praise you. There will be a day when everybody acknowledges who Jesus is. It says that in Philippians chapter 2. There will be a day when every single person and all of God's creation acknowledge who Jesus is. And they give him glory and they give him honor. There will be a day that will happen. But right now we can start the godly, those who follow after God can start right now. And we can start doing that now. We don't need to wait till the end when every knee will bow. Every tongue will proclaim that Jesus Christ is Lord. We can do that right now in the arena that we're in. That's a privilege that we have that we can do. I and you, you with me together, we can glorify God's name in the place that we are. Then he talks about how God's kingdom is. If if we look through here in verse 13, your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. Your rule is for all generations. I want you to keep that in mind. um, If you're one of those people that gets yourself bogged down in and caught up in the turmoil of us politics, 50 years from now, a hundred years from now, nobody is going to care about any of these democratic candidates or president Trump anymore. All people forget. Do you know what happened a hundred years ago in the 1800s on this day? You have any idea? Do you remember when there was a big battle here in Fort Wayne in the war of 1812? Do you know all the details of that? Big things happened here and you don't even know about them. And that's how it is. We're going to, you're going to be forgotten. I'm going to be forgotten. All the things we do are going to be forgotten unless someone pulls out our memoir and reads it. But God's kingdom is from everlasting to everlasting. His work is going to endure forever. So if you want to be, if you want to hit yourself up with something, you can choose to hit yourself up with something that's temporary, that's the thing of the moment, that's exciting for now, that It's cool now and you can follow that until it's forgotten and fades away and is gone. Or you can connect yourself to God who's eternal. His kingdom is forever and you can be loyal to him, follow him. And then everything you do with him will be have eternal benefit and eternal fruit. So when you wake up tomorrow morning, ask yourself that. Am I going to live today for something temporary or something eternal? 
And what's eternal is the kingdom of God. And when we can clearly see the the greatness of God and how wonderful he is, how big he is, then we start to change the way we perceive everything else in life. And things that are so huge now become very small in light of his glory. We just had a a coronation in Thailand. So a couple years ago, the king that was king for many, many years, he died. He was loved. He was mourned for a year. People wore black for a year. And they would have kept wearing black if they were told it's now not mourning time anymore, so don't wear black. They just love him. Now his son became king. And they had this huge multi-million dollar pageant through Bangkok. It was huge. A day after day, all of these ceremonial things, each piece of the ceremony had a really important meaning according to the worldview of the Thai kings and all that. And so there were people on the TV and radio explaining each thing that was going on. It was huge. It cost millions of dollars. And what was the whole point of that? The point of that was to show everybody in Thailand that you're, we're all Thai people, but this guy is different than the rest of us. That's what it is. It's to elevate the role of the king so nobody forgets who the king of Thailand is and how important he is to the Thai people, to the Thai nation, and to the Thai uh, religion. He was tied into all of those things. And it affected everything. There was a holiday. The coronation was a holiday. Everybody in Bangkok was watching or there. People around the country were watching. And it was a big deal. And this is a king who will be dead in a few decades. But right now, he is the most important person in Thailand. Kings are higher than presidents. Because here in America, we just criticize our presidents, don't we? We say whatever we don't like about them. We put them down. Uh, we act like we know more than they do, even though we've never done their job. And we do a lot of things. But if you do that in Thailand to the king of Thailand, you go to jail. Uh, you don't criticize the king of Thailand. You, you only say positive things or nothing, but you don't criticize because he is elevated and lifted up and, and glorified in that country. Now, they know that people in America don't honor the Thai king. because that's And that's okay because that's not our king. But it's their king. And so if you go to Thailand, you better honor the king of Thailand. And so, but God's kingdom is everlasting, eternal, and all-encompassing. So we are ambassadors for that king wherever we go. So let's not be shy. You know, the Thai people are not shy about telling you how great their king is. They're not shy about telling you how great Thailand is and its history and culture. They love to tell you that. Why are we shy about talking about how great our king is? Why are we shy about telling people how wonderful God is and telling him about the deeds that he has done in the past and in the present and of the things that we know he's going to do in the future? We can walk in that confidence because we know how great he is. So there's there's so many things here. If you keep continuing on, I'm not going to read them all, but I, I hope you would read it at home. That things like he helps those who fall, he raises up those who are oppressed, he gives food to people. He satisfies the desires of the living things. He's gracious. He's near to all who call upon him. There's so many characteristics of God here that are, that are written here by David. And if you read the Old Testament, which I love to read, you will see that David learned these things through experience. He knew them from the law. He knew them from the teachings of Samuel that had gone through the country, but he learned these things through experience. The Psalms are written out of his own personal experience with God. So what is your personal experience with God today? You don't need to write Psalm 145. What would you write? What would you write about what God has done for you? Because if you're, whether you're in Thailand, whether you're in the Philippines, in Indonesia, or here in Fort Wayne, the question for us each day is, what are we going to live for? What are we going to wake up and align our lives to? 
And if you are going to say, I am going to align myself with God, Yahweh, the creator of the universe, the God of the Bible, there is no way that you can encounter that God truly without being in awe of who he is. So if you have a view of God where he's small, where he's an incidental part of your life, he's not the center of who you are, then that means that you have not yet seen him in his glory. So one of the keys for world partners is that we are out there to proclaim the glory of the Father, to proclaim the glory of God. Because until people see the glory of God, they don't have a fear of him, they don't have a respect for him that causes them to make a decision whether they will follow or reject If we don't see his glory, we think that God is something we can just add on to the things of our lives. Monday through Friday, Saturday, we do what we want. And then Sunday, we add God into our schedule. We come here and we worship him here in his house. And then the rest of the time, we're back in our house. The heavens are the glory, it's God's glory. The whole earth is his footstool. The universe is his house. Wherever we go, that's his house. And so I want to encourage us to think that way. Ask God to show you his glory from his word. Ask God to show you his glory in your day-to-day life. And then when you see it, When you hear it, when you experience it, share that with someone else. And if you do that, you are both a disciple maker and you're a missionary. And you're a good and faithful servant of God. So as we close, I just want you to reflect upon right now. I'm going to give you a second. I just want you to think in your own mind, in your own heart. What great thing have you seen God do in the past week? And again, it's great to you. It may not be great to someone else. But in your heart, you have seen that that is something that only God could do. And it was amazing to you. So I'll give you a second to think of at least one thing like that. And for those who are struggling to think of it, I just want to give you a little bit of a admonition here. It probably means you're not spending enough time with God. If you're not thinking of something right away that was great that God did for you, then you're not spending time looking at him. And so you can start by looking at the stories from the past in the scripture. You can look at the lives of one another. You can see the, na- the nature that God has created, whatever it is, but spend time reflecting. So now that you've thought of something, I hope, those that have, ask yourself, have I shared that with anyone? Have I shared what I saw, what I heard, what I experienced with my, with my spouse, with my children, with my neighbor, with my, with some, my friends at coworkers at work? Have I shared that with them or not? I want to encourage you, if you haven't, to think of one person right now that you can share that moment of glory with. And don't share it like, hey, I have this thing, let's sit down and let's get real serious. I want to tell you something from the Word of God. We're going to... No, just talk like you're having life. Go find somebody and say, you know what? This is something really cool that happened that God showed me that I, who was so impatient before, I was able to be patient when this person spoke so rudely to me. And, and I just thank God for how he's given me that change in my life. And, and, then, and then maybe affirm what you've seen in their lives. I and you, you and me, we and they. As a final thought, in, Psalm, in Romans chapter 1, uh, if you take your time to read there, you will see the progression of sin. You wonder today why we have so much evil in the world, why we have so much um, um, just despicable things like children being trafficked, um, people being sold into slavery, um, people being abused and neglected, races being put down. There is still legal slavery in one country of the world today, and there's un- un- illegal slavery going on in many, many countries of the world. Why is that still happening? And it mentions at the end, 
People are promoting evil and doing evil of all kinds. That's the end of the story. If you go back to the beginning of Romans chapter 1, and the first thing that Paul says caused that whole chain to happen is that people would not acknowledge God and were not grateful to him for what he did. And as a result of that, their eyes were darkened, their minds were darkened, their hearts were darkened, and gradually they fell into this spiral where their whole life was no longer able to separate truth and lies, good and evil, and they became promoters of evil. So... We, you may not be one of those promoters of evil at the end of the chain, but if you are not grateful to God for what he has done for you, it sets you in motion to have your mind and your heart darkened so you can no longer be thrilled by and experience the glory of God. So I, I want to encourage you today, as you pray for us, start with my own family. Pray that we can see God's glory and that we have stories to tell and that we're bold enough to share our stories with other people, whoever it is that's in front of us, with us. And then pray that the people that we're working with, whether it's Angie's first graders or whether it's the people that I work with in Chiang Mai on a day-to-day basis or whether it's the people I visit in the other countries as I go through the region, that we will be able to celebrate these stories of God's goodness and greatness together so that we can go from one generation to the next and people will align themselves with Christ. And then um, I also be praying the same for you, that that in your day-to-day lives, I don't know all your circumstances, but God does, and he has put you in just the right place for you to be that light of his glory wherever you are, in your workplace, in your neighborhood, in your community center, wherever you spend your time. And, And as you're there, if you yourself can be amazed by God, you can share that with those around you. The power of God will emanate from that and you will be amazed at what you see. God is the one that brings people into his kingdom. God is the one who makes disciples. God is the one who builds his church. God is the one who does all the great work of the kingdom. Our only job is to walk with him and declare his glory. So that's something we all can do. So I, and so there's no difference. Don't think of me and Angie as different from you. We're all the same. And if we just do that every day, then as I was saying to those in Sunday school, we will hear, well done, good and faithful servant. And so that's my prayer for you, and I hope that's your prayer for us, that we will walk with Jesus, we'll be in love with him, and declare his glory now and from one generation to the next.